Welcome to Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. We give vitalistic chiropractors a chance to learn from the best around the world, discovering how they overcame their challenges and achieved success. In order for chiropractic to thrive, we must have thriving chiropractors. Now listen up, it's time to crush the curse. Hello, podcast listeners. I just wanted to give a little bit of an update. We actually double booked ourselves. So um, what we're doing is we're doing a shift unplug program in Kingscliff, Australia, which is just outside the Gold Coast. So if you fly into the Gold Coast, I think it's a 20 minute drive from the airport. And we're doing a shift unplugged on June 1st. Um, you'll be able to find more information about that at www.trueconceptseminars.com. But then we just realized we'd actually booked our Transformers Mastermind weekend the weekend after, and uh, we'll still be in Australia. So we kind of already got that double booked. So we had to switch our Transformers Mastermind to September 6th and 7th in Toronto, Canada. And again, if you go to trueconceptseminars.com, you'll be able to find out more information about that. But I know in the last few podcasts, we've been talking a little bit about the Transformers Mastermind and just wanted to let you know we had to bump it back a little bit so it'll be in September. But any of you listeners that are in Australia, make sure you check out the Shift Unplugged at King's Cliff. We're at a nice little resort. We're gonna have a one-day seminar and then you can hang out afterwards and, and visit with everybody else. So I hope to see you there. So let's get back to the podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Breaking the Underdog Curse. This is Dr. Don McDonald, your host. And uh, I think I'm just gonna head down to Australia today, have a little stroll at the Gold Coast. Uh, Gladstone, right? Yeah, that's Gladstone. our practice. I'm gonna head down to Gladstone, Queensland and talk to one of our shifters, um, we've been working with her for the last probably six months or so, and uh, she has had a pretty amazing story, and I really want to share it with our listeners. So I would like to, and also she graduated 16 years ago. She's been in practice for that time. She's had a couple of breaks, and we're going to get into that. She graduated from RMIT in Melbourne, Australia, and welcome, Dr. Allison Young. We call her Allie to the to the podcast. <laughs> please thank you for having me hooray <laughs> this is awesome so she's just telling me she was just walking down the beach listening to uh um one of the podcasts this morning getting getting ready for the day yeah. and so uh i thought that was pretty cool but you know what tell yeah. tell everybody a little bit about the beautiful place you live in right now because yeah so we live in a little town called tanham sands and it's 20 k's away from my offices in gladstone and gladstone's known as an industry hub and it's got all the port ships and it does all the things I don't really understand. And um, my husband grew up here, but we live 100 metres to the beach. And so most mornings start with a beach walk or a workout at the gym where you look at the water. And that's just our lifestyle. And we chose that for the lifestyle and for the relaxed nature. And we sort of drive down our hill and we're like, ah, oh, we're home. It's so good. So all I have to do is because when we look out and it's all full of snow and freezing cold outside here in Edmonton, and then I just look at your Facebook feed and then I can see you on the beach and then I pretend <laughs> that I'm there. So it You're helps there. with my state. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we, had to use, we had to put our air conditioning on last night and I was like, oh, I'm Brandy and Don have probably got their heater on. And so I thought, mm, same thing, that's different. <laughs> uh, yes, totally. And we, again, we just recently got our snow, so we're in the trauma of all this. So um, let's do what we always like to start off with our guests is, is talk like we know you're, you're doing fabulous right now and, and all this stuff and been in practice, see tons yes. of kids, you're a pediatric focused practice, yep. but how did you even find out about this crazy profession in the first place? Yeah. So it's a pretty cool story. Actually. I grew up in a very small town in country Victoria called Heathkit has 1500 people when I lived there. 
And I had foot pain. I was 15 years old and I'd always played lots of sport and I was the smart kid in school. School wasn't very big. And um, we had, I had foot pain and there was no podiatrist and my dad used to go to the Cairo every now and then. And my mum was like, oh, just go to the Cairo. See, what, see if they can do anything for you. And so they did an assessment on me and the Cairo was like, um, well, let's just get some films done, shall we? And my mum was the local radiographer. So we went up to the hospital and got the films done. Yeah. And I had yeah. this huge scoliosis in my spine and it had never been detected. And, um, and so the chiropractor explained that to mum and dad and mum had a bit of an idea. And anyway, I started getting adjusted. And after three visits, my foot pain went away. And then to this day, it's never come back. It's like pretty amazing. And leading up to this, everyone was like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Oh, and my mum worked in the hospital. She's like, I'll be a medical doctor. I was like, oh, I don't like the smell. And, um, <laughs> And my dad was like, be a stockbroker because I'm quite loud. And I, so I could shout and I was good at maths, so I could shout. And I was like, oh, I don't think I'd be good at that. And anyway, after these three adjustments, I was like, I'm going to be a chiropractor. And that was it. And from that day on, I knew I was going to be a chiropractor. And Holy smokes, from 15. Yep. And I um, was really lucky. I was thinking about this last night. I always, the chiropractor that I had used to play AFL football in Australia, which is a big deal. And, yeah. um, and so I actually went into chiropractic school thinking that I would do sports because I'd played sport, he did sports. All through chiro school, I worked in sports clubs as like trainers and stuff like that. Yeah. And, then, um, and then my journey took me completely different when I graduated. So it was pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So when you went to um, RMIT, like, did you just think that chiropractic was about sports injuries or like, what was your, what was your premise kind of about chiropractic when you started? So, there was this Gonstead guru in Melbourne called Max Joseph and he'd written a book. And so I had, back in those days, you had to do an interview to get into chiro school. And so I um, had the marks, I had to do my interview. So my chiro gave me his book to read and I yeah. read this book and I went in there and I was like, well, chiropractic is about the whole body and looking after yourself and above, down, inside, out. And I didn't really understand what it meant, but I could like spew it out. And the guy that wrote the book was on my interview panel. And so they just like ticked the box, you're in. Um, but ever from first year, I sort of had a concept that it had an idea that was bigger than injury. And then some of my mentors through school shaped that for me. So in my first and second years, we used to go over to Jen and Simon Floriani's with Angus ah. Pike and Tony Rose. And we do like adjusting clubs. Cool. And yeah, so like that was amazing. And then there was a thing called DG on then. And so we'd like travel in a big bus together up to DG once a year and get immersed in philosophy. And so by the end of school, I felt like I had an idea, a bit more of the big idea, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And, and again, yeah. was, uh, was uh, RMIT at that time, were they, were they pretty like focused on like symptoms and, and, yeah, and didn't, yeah, didn't want yeah. you really to talk about anything besides that? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And we used to have a mentor who was, when we went into student clinic, when we were in fourth year, we had a fifth year mentor that, um, and my mentor was Kaz Jaff, who practices in Amsterdam. And she, um, and she was also very much into the more spiritual mind-body elements. And so she sort of shaped me nicely in, in student clinic too, that we sort of looked at, we got taught cranials at school, so we were allowed to do cranials. So we even started doing cranial work and student clinic and things. So it was, it was good. Um, so we found ways around it. Yeah. Not saying that, you know, 
ethics class was always interesting, but otherwise it was good. <laughs> <laughs> so w- when you graduate, um, what did you do? Did you uh, go so oh, yeah. We graduated in 2002 and halfway through that year, uh, the guy that was the president of the National Chiropractic Association was looking for someone to come and work for him in Perth. And, um, and so he just asked people he knew in Melbourne because he wanted an RMIT grad and they all said me. Uh, I, didn't, I hadn't even met some of these people. Wow. And so then he was flying over for a meeting to Melbourne. So he took me out for lunch at the Hyatt I think that was just to bamboozle me. Yeah. Never been there before. <laughs> Very <laughs> fancy. <laughs> I was like working three jobs and studying 45 hours a week. I had time to go to the Hyatt for lunch. Yeah. And so um, anyway, he took me there and we just sat, he just sat down and said, what do you want to do? What sort of chiropractic do you like to do? This is what I've got to offer. And I was like, no, that all sounds pretty good. So halfway through fifth year, which is our last year here, I uh, said yep and so I knew I was moving to Perth and I got home I was living with my best friends I got home and I was like tears streaming down my face and they said oh what's wrong and I said I'm moving to Perth because <laughs> like, it's so far fun. away so a lot of people yeah. don't know we were just there and we actually hung out with you yeah. in Perth which was awesome yeah, yeah. Our, our immersion day and it's way long away like it's like three or four hour flight from Melbourne even more yeah it was I drove across with one of my besties we did a road trip, Thelma and Louise style, from Melbourne to Perth. It was three and a half thousand kilometres. And um, we did it in five days. We just oh like kept gosh. on trucking. Yeah, it was awesome. It's, it's just crazy. I always laugh because yeah. when you look at Australia, it looks like a little round circle at the bottom, right? And it doesn't look yeah. that big and you have no idea how wide it is. Yeah. That's and it's wide. so wide. And I live the same distance width-wise from Melbourne up the coast now, like on the east coast. So the same side of the country as Melbourne, but... Just right. So, so when you yeah. just came to the Vitality Shift, how long did it take you to fly there? It took me an hour to one flight, and then I think it was another five hours. So it was like six hours in total. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, yeah. it's it's a it's long not way. Close. What a dedicated, dedicated girl. Oh yeah, you know it. <laughs> so you go to you go to Perth and yes, start and up. I walk into a practice that has had someone called Olivia Gleason was the associate there for the last four years. So she'd been in fifth year. And I was in first year. I'd never met her. And um, I walk in and she's very, she's got a business, like she's got work face. She was very serious. And yeah. we had one week as handover. That was all. And so Monday was great. Tuesday was great. Wednesday. So we worked full days, Mondays, Tuesday, Avo, Wednesday morning. And then we had Wednesday afternoon off. And she knew I knew nobody. I had no friends. I'd moved to Perth by myself. Wow. And she's like, so do you have friends? I said, no. She's like, what are you doing for your afternoon off? I said, hmm. Um, I don't know. She's like, you're coming to the beach. Here's my address. Meet me at my house. And so from that day on, I took her practice over, but that was like my closest chiropractic friendship. From oh, there. Cool. So yeah, I was an associate for three years in that practice. And then I actually went into practice with Olivia where we lived, which was East Frio. Yeah. Nice. So, oh, that's cool. And then I was in practice there for seven or eight years. Yeah. With her together. Yeah, yeah. So it was pretty amazing. But that- so yeah, I moved to Perth and I had this, I still had that idea of sports in my head. Yep. And, and I played a lot of sport. I played touch footy and rugby league. And um, so I made connections in the sport world, but the universe kept sending me families and, I, and it was a family practice. And so in my first year of practice, I had two defining things that happened. So the first one was that I had a family come in for their regular monthly adjustment in the practice. And it was my first week there. 
maths in my first week and I adjusted them all. I adjusted the kids how I'd been taught. They came back four weeks later and the mum said to me, point blank, if you adjust my kids like that again, we're never coming back. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even know. What I did. So anyway. Oh, really? Yeah. And she was like, they just didn't get the same results and it wasn't as good as it was with Olivia. And, and I was like, okay, no problem. So I changed my approach slightly. And they continued their care for the whole time that I lived there. I assume they're still under care. So just, just curious, what, what did you change? I think that what, I just... What was it? You know, I don't even know. I think I just went more, less head and more heart. Like yeah. I just went, yeah. And, and I've always been a big intuition person. Mm-hmm. And I think that even then I was starting to develop that element to my practice. I'm assuming that's what I did. Yeah. That's cool because you think it might go the opposite because, well, again, I'm just thinking of it from my people pleaser, young Dr. Don self when he graduated. If someone said that to me, I would probably been more head because I've been like, okay, what do I got to do right now? I got to do this, I got to do that. So that was cool that you just kind of, so yeah, you must've just been able to just like. I just went and I've just got to feel this out better. Yeah. So. So, And and it increased your your, uh, focus, right? Mm, Definitely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then the other thing that happened is I was adjusting this guy and I don't know he would have been in his 40s or 50s and he had walked over we were near a shopping center and he'd walked over to the shopping center and he'd seen a mum struggling with her child who had um, clearly had autism and he just walks he was very upfront this man he just walked up to this mum and said you need to take your son over to Ali and she was like what's Ali (laughs) and he said the chiropractor I think she could help and at that point she was at breaking point she had a four-month-old baby and an eight-year-old son and um, he had an acquired brain injury and mm. and because they lived so remotely when he got meningitis so it was sort of this whole thing anyway they came in to see me and their confidence and faith in me made me go I need to do better for the kids so then I enrolled in my master's in pediatrics so that then created my journey from then on to see lots and lots of children that's cool. And for all the people out there, we did not treat autism, right? We're not claiming no, to treat, we did autism. Not treat autism. Not at all. Not but at it's all. but if you happen to have autism and then you happen to increase the function of the nervous system, that seems to be a good Benefit. thing. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. We all got to be careful now in Canada, and I'm just like you guys in Australia. Same in Australia. <laughs> and it was, I think, the gentleman who said go over had just seen maybe he'd seen some other kids in the practice, and he just thought, I don't know. Anyway, that's cool though. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, so when you started to, so did you start like right away in that, in that first three or four years starting I, to shift towards kids? Oh yeah. By the end of the first year I'd enrolled in the master's program, which is what you do in Australia to do my pediatrics. And, um, and I'd started seeing more kids and families in that time. And I'd really focused on kids. Like I'd done talk back then we could go and do a scoliosis screening at schools and we could run a little parent education seminar just about things that they could do to help their kids and how chiropractic may or may not help them. So, um, yeah, so it just sort of was really organic, the shift that happened. And then the next shift that happened was when I left that practice and went to work with Olivia, a few years later, she got pregnant with triplets. And so then our focus also became strongly pregnancy focused because of her journey through her pregnancy. And, um, and that sort of just innately grew from there. Yeah. That's Pretty great. Awesome. 
Yeah. When you started, like what kind of, and again, this is, I always kind of, I'll blend in our, my normal questions kind of with your timeline yeah. story. But again, you know, a lot of chiropractors just get out into practice and they're just starting up. What did you do to get the word out there when you start from zero, not knowing anybody in the whole town and just yeah. starting So up? I was lucky. I took over like the practice. I had a hundred to 150 patient visits a week, pretty regularly. And I maintained that. So that was good. But I did a lot of talks. Um, I just wrote letters to everybody. Mm -hmm. I um, started writing newsletters in the practice because there was no newsletter. So once a month I created a, I mean, we're talking the early noughties and it was not pretty, but I wrote them. (laughs) And so, you know, we did a nice little, and we gave it, handed it to them. It wasn't even emailed. We didn't do email back then. And, um, And I, what else did I do? I don't know. I just got into the community. I think I just, yeah. I'm a bit of a people person. And so if anyone said, Oh, I've got a mum's group. I'm like, I'll come. Oh, I've got this. Oh, I'll come. And I played sport and I played sport with parents. And so I think I met parents through that as well. Right. Well, and I think that's huge just being involved in the community because um, I know oh, even anybody, anytime I've even like when I was playing sports more, you know, if I'd go play hockey or basketball or whatever, mm-hmm. like just from being around, you end up starting to generate people because they're like, yeah. oh, you're a chiropractor, blah, blah, blah. And then you just start yeah, conversation. It's just right? conversation. Yeah, exactly mm-hmm. right. And I've also, because I'm a talker and that was one of my biggest learnings towards the start of my second year in practice was the focus in my office and having my intent and purpose switched on was so very important because I am very much talk about the weather. I can hold a conversation about your grandma's cakes, but that wasn't why they were with me. And I'd moved there with no friends. So there was a part of me that was like striving to make friendships subconsciously, not consciously. And so I was doing all of that meeting, greeting, love, love, love stuff. And I needed to just stop that and get focused on chiropractic. And I went to a one-day seminar that they had in Perth in February of 2004, and it was with Mark Postles and John Hinwood together, which they don't rarely do things together, those guys. Yeah. And that combined with doing some coaching with John, uh, James Carter just exploded my practice. So it just because And all it did was get me focused. Right. And listening listening to we didn't have podcasts then so i was listening to cds and tapes reggie tapes cds in the car writing affirmate like doing these things and that's where my once that came in that was awesome that was kind of like the rocket fuel hey to just take it to the next level definitely definitely now so you're in that practice for seven years you said yeah so three in the first and seven in the second or eight in the second Oh, well. Well, it's close. And, and what happened then? What, what was after that? Yeah, so I got married. Um, so I met this guy and he was <laughs> from a town called Gladstone in Queensland. And we got married and he worked in oil and gas. And so um, oil and gas at that time was booming overseas. He did commission, he does commissioning work. We're still married. I'm not talking past tense. And, um, <laughs> and so he had a new job starting in Malaysia. So we just took the opportunity to go, you know what? We're in our early 30s. Let's go to Malaysia. So I went and I couldn't practice there. It was too much red tape to practice. And then I found out I was pregnant. So I got to have mum time. So that was amazing. Great. So we lived there for a while. And then we moved back here to Queensland. And he did like FIFO, fly in, fly out work for a while. And then he worked here for a while. So then I practiced here. Then we had our second child. So I would have been in practice here for like four months and then had a break for 
five months and then back in practice for eight months. And then we moved to South Korea. And again, I couldn't practice in South Korea because yeah, to practice as an expat, as a chiropractor in South Korea, I had to be a medical doctor to get insurances and things like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, I just relished in mum time and I feel really lucky that I got that because it's pretty rare for, I think for chiropractic mums to honor the time off that we need. And so that was really important. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I've had a few a few moms. Well, you probably heard on the podcast who basically two yeah. weeks later are carrying them and adjusting like <laughs> Yeah, exactly right. And I like I'm very thankful that even when I went back to work when George was four months old, I only ever did two short days. And he was only a couple of blocks away, so I could go and feed him and you know, it wasn't it was never too crazy if that makes sense yeah 100 so so then so then this practice you're in that was the one that you came to yeah so we shut the doors we took all the furniture out left the we i'd got it like partitioned and looking nice and then we're like oh great opportunity in korea we'll never get this again let's go so shut the doors walked away came back to town 18 months two years later we're still here sitting empty oh wow yeah so I just went, can I have it back? And they said, sure. And um, <laughs> so we just put all the tables back in and reopened the doors. And we had like people go, oh, I'm so glad you're back. And they just started coming. So That's cool. So, yeah. so um, tell us a little bit about, because you have so, quite a few connections and, and, and talk a little bit about some of the referrals you get from newborns and, and how yeah. did that even start? So I think because I had my second child in town here, I, um, and our first child was born in Perth, but the birth was um, maybe what I've heard a lot of women chiropractors who work too long and have torsion through their pelvis. And sometimes that first birth goes a little cray cray. So that's what happened to us. And so for the second birth, um, we decided that we would have an obstetrician at our birth. And um, through that, I created connections to the obstetricians, but then I also created connections with the midwives here. And so now I'm very blessed that I get referrals from all of these people um, because the town I live in is relatively isolated. We're six hours from the closest big city, one hour flight, six hour drive. And, um, and services here are pretty slim. Like there's, there are services, but there's not huge amounts like you don't have something on every corner we don't have a lactation consultant in town for example so we have to say go an hour and a half away skype someone six hours away like there's there's minimal support for things like that so for me when the midwives have a baby that's born and there's no private um, hospital here anymore that's closed down so it's all midwife-led care and um so the midwives, if they have a baby that's had a birth that's been tough and they're not feeding well, part of recommendations can sometimes be to recommend for an assessment here. All of the paediatric physios are on maternity leave at the moment, so they don't have that option. So oh, it's wow. just, it's sort of innately grown uh, mm-hmm. to be like that. And I think because I'm a mum and I'm pretty upfront about everything, parents feel comfortable coming here and right. we get like we, we can have a horse adjusting table we have toy kitchens we have change tables fully stocked like my CAs love holding babies so 
you know, if a mum comes in and they're at breaking point, we're like, baby off, cup of tea in, take a seat, chill out, just take your time. And we connect closely that way. And so we now hold play groups here once a month. And um, they're always, we are, it's a small space, so we only have room for 15 mums. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's actually been really amazing because it's small group connection. And yeah. and yeah, and it books out. Like we don't charge for them. They just book out within half an hour of it going online. People are like, yep, I'll come to that. Done. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we're like, okay, so next, this month, we're in November now, we're hold, we've hired a hall and we're gonna, we've got room for 50. And I think we've launched that a week ago and we're already half booked. So nice. Um, yeah. And, and that's with other, I've um, got a sleep consultant, like a midwife who helps babies sleep and um, a nutritional expert as well. So we're getting like different people, different trains of thought, and we're all very relaxed. We're like, bring your kid, feed them. There's some vegetable sticks over there, whatever, you know, it's right. Well, and I think totally you being a mom, you know, that like, you just got to go with the flow, right? Like things can't oh. be so organized when kids are running all the place no. and mom's no, burnt out. And- <laughs> yeah. And mom's are burnt out. And you know, I think, with my mindset change, working with you guys for the last 12 months, the, that has helped me even more help them because I've helped like that whole concept of the stressed out mum brain. I can actually communicate that better now as well. Mm-hmm. And I lived stressed out mum brain. So I know what it's like, feels like, but now I have the ability to actually connect with them on that. Okay. Well, that leads me right into my next question. Oh, there um, you go. See, there you go. See, it's just innately flowing, right? But, um, you know, a lot of people, and again, we talk to chiropractors all around the world who are burnt out. And so I was wondering if you give a couple of examples or an example of a time where you got a little bit burnt out and then what, what did you do to kind of get back on track? Yeah. So I think for me, um, there's been some key times where I've been burnt out. The first one was in Perth and, um, and I was working lots of hours and I was very busy and I just didn't look after myself really. Like I just, you know, my focus was the office, but it also wasn't the office and it was pretty stressful. So by the time I sold my practice there, I was ready for a break and, um, and I had a year and a half off. So that was like a brilliant break from burnout. And then there's other times have been when I've had two kids and my husband has done FIFO work, which he doesn't now, but the times there where I feel like I get to the end of the week and I had to shell myself. I had to just stay in my house and not talk to anyone and re-energize myself internally so that I could go and serve again the next week. Mm. And that's been a big learning for me. I think I'm a pretty gung-ho person and I used to say yes to everything. And I'm now at a point in my life where I go, no, you don't need to do that. You need to look after you and you can't serve your family and you can't serve your practice members if you don't look after yourself and you don't, you know, have that connection with the higher self as well. So that's why I enjoy a run on the beach. And that's why I like to do a tiny bit of gardening, not much. Um, And I just, I don't know, I just like to like do things that I like to do, I guess as well. And I, and I value it more than I used to. I used to think it was stupid, but now I know that I have to do that. And and how did that realization come in? Did you did you just kind of hit the wall one day and say that's it? I got to do stuff, or did you just try doing some stuff like walking on a beach? How did you come up with your self care? Because it's a little bit different for everybody, right? Depends because yeah, people yeah. like different things. 
Yep. So I did um, some um, practice coaching with a guy called James Carter in Australia. Mm-hmm. And, um, and part of his thing was retreats. And so you went away for four days, no phones, no contact with the outside world, bunch of chiropractors getting nude in the bush. No, I'm kidding. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, we, you know, it was an experiential retreat. So it wasn't sitting in a room all day. It was doing stuff. And through that process, I realized that I needed things like quiet time in my mind because my mind goes, 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 goes. If I don't honor that, I can get stuck in that go mode. Yeah. So yeah. And then I realized, and then I just started to journal. Where's my happy place? What do I enjoy doing? And so for me, my happy place has always been the beach. Um, I grew up landlocked. I don't even know how my happy place became the beach, but as I became an adult and working, I've always lived near the beach. So yeah, I just go and connect with the beach and I don't have to do anything. Just walk, look at the waves, watch the sunrise. And even if I'm there with my kids and they're being loud, I'm still near that water. And it's like that recharge for me. So living near the beach is really good for my brain. Really good for my brain. Well, that's cool. I just know I don't get to go to the beach too often, but I know it's kind of mesmerizing. It's like watching a campfire or something, right? Where it just kind of takes you out of it. And going. Yeah, absolutely. And and then I've also um, over the years done like meditation and, things like that. And I, and I ebb and flow with that. I'm certainly not someone who makes it a religious practice for myself. Um, mm-hmm. I think exercise is more my, my practice that I must do. And if I don't, I really notice it. Um, but I find at times when I'm leaning towards more stress state, I step back to meditation and then I'll do it for a period of time and, and I'll get myself calm. And then it sort of goes by the wayside and then it'll come back again later. And that's sort of how it goes. Yeah. And, and how do you, because there's, there's been times where, because your husband works away. And so, yeah. you know, and again, especially um, since you, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a bit here, but since you joined the shift and your practice basically exploded, um, yeah. very busy at the office, plus have the children and, and then your husband's working away. And so, yeah, I, I don't know how I survived it. I, I was going to say like, <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm a home by myself and I have to look after Lux, our dog, I like, <laughs> I need to go to therapy almost after, but like, how do you do that? How do you do that? Um, I guess you I don't have much choice, but. <laughs> no, organization, uh, uh, organized chaos, I guess. Mm. So I um, started doing online food shopping. So all I had to do was click, like pay for it and pick it up on my way home. Ooh. I um, I always left a few hours on the weekend to uh, prep food wise so that I could go into the, week ready because we also in our family I'm a celiac and we choose to eat relatively healthy we choose gluten-free dairy-free sugar-free diets and so that takes a bit of time effort and energy to maintain that Mm -hmm. and um and so I always did that and I'm a social person and I think my sanity saver was that I made time to socialize where my children could and I could as well and and that was definitely part of it. And I have a super supportive extended family where I live. So I couldn't do it without, like my mother-in-law did school pickups and stuff for me and just took the kids home and gave them afternoon to pee. And I could just pick them up when I finished and toddle on home to some meal I'd prepped that morning in the slow cooker. And, right. you know, yeah, stuff now, like that. Now, now, just because, and we talk about this a lot, the shift, about like especially yeah. with women with connection. Mm. 
right? So, yes. so how did you go about designing that where you could get connection was it was with other women with, with chill, with your children at the same yeah. time? Like, did you design that or did you just, did you organize no. something or did it just happen? Well, when I was pregnant with George, it was my second child living here. I was adjusting a group of women who were all pregnant at the same time. And we all had our babies around the same time. And then we all figured out that we liked the same things like exercise and eating good food. And sometimes we like to drink some wine. And <laughs> so we figured out that, and our kids, are all the same age and so we just kind of connected and now they've had extra kids and you know and they're working and life is busy but we still make time to just we just pop in just pop in I don't know it just sort of happens and um and I've got like my sister-in-law here has three boys that are older and so her boys my kids love them so we, I go there and I'm like I'm having a cup of tea and they're just gone and you don't see your kids for an hour and you can sit down and just like talk to any girlfriends and it's really good yeah. That's, so that's cool. It, it, yeah, it just sort of happens. I don't make black. Yeah. <laughs> good. I don't know. Yeah. Because it's a balance, right? Because you, you, need, Absolutely. you need, need the connection time and then you yes. also need the quiet time. Yeah, right? exactly right. Exactly and so, right. And so now, because do you, do you schedule the quiet time and then do you, do you, do you try to uh, schedule the social time or does it just kind of start to come, just uh, happens? I, I'm a naturally early riser. So for me, my quiet time is often first thing in the morning, although my children are also naturally early risers. I don't get quite as much time as I would like. Um, but yeah, so that's my quiet time. And then I'll make time when I'm here to try and, um, and like I don't get a break in my day. My day's always busy. But on my way home, if I don't have the kids in the car, I'll, you know, I'll do something that I like. I'll listen to a podcast I like or play really loud music or something like that um, and just, like, give my brain that checkout time before I get into the insanity of dinner, bed, cuddles and all that kind of stuff. Awesome, which, which is so funny because that just totally brings me back to when we started working here. So, so basically, uh, Dr. Ali started with the shift, and then when yeah. she was in the Vitality shift, uh, she did the online program, and then she went into our, uh, the engines, so we call them our turbo shifters, and that's where we work individually with people. And it was funny because at the very first call, I think I remember with you, you'd said that you used to be like organized or get, get your mindset straight at the beginning yes. of the day, and then... And yeah. And then you kind of got off that. And I think your husband was yeah. even saying something about that. And then oh, yeah. he was like, a, you used to have stuff written up all over the house. Now you don't have anything. There's nothing. I don't even know what you do. Like there's nothing here. So you should see our bedroom door now in the back of our bedroom door. There's like, it's a wall of like affirmations and yeah. intent statements and, and like plot and stats so that we can keep a concept of, where they're all going and that sort of thing too. Yeah. And then the one day I think you, you started listening to some, to some crazy music and you, you're joking <laughs> around about it, like saying, I hope the language wasn't too bad for the kids. Can you tell that story? That was pretty yeah. funny. <laughs> so we have a 20 minute drive before I do the first drop off, second drop off in the office. And so I found some playlists with some music that I totally love. And so my kids have listened very much to Chameleon by Penal and Glorious by Macklemore and some Joy Division. And they very much appreciate it. But sometimes I'm like, let's just skip this one. Let's just skip this one because there's some language in there that's not good. But now my son, I mean, he's always loved music, but now he's like, yeah, play it as loud as it gets. And, yeah. Um, and yeah, he just loves it. He gets the kindy and he's like pumped up, ready for the day. 
<laughs> well, that's such a good thing because then you can get everybody to get into state, right? On their yeah, way to the way to work and get everybody in. Yeah, we're all like ready to go. We hit the ground running. <laughs> just like just bumping. That's cool. Yeah. So, so just to start off, um, when you just tell a little bit about the story going through the shift and that, and then tell a little bit about what you've done in your practice because it's been pretty amazing what you've done over the last like, yeah. six months or so. Yeah. So, um, so I joined the shift because I'd always loved what Brandy did and I'd met her at Parker. I don't know how long, eight, 10 years ago, whatever that was. And, um, and then the shift came about and I was like, yes, take me. That sounds great. <laughs> and, um, and I was doing that and I had a CA that had just about to start. Anyway, I started the shift solo. I had a CA come on board. We started working through it together and it was good. And it helped us to solidify our systems and procedures and get concepts and be on the same page. And then I did engine so I became a turbo shifter and it just brought me back to having because I'm by myself now and I'd always had a team of chiropractors and CAs and so now it like gave me that accountability level that I didn't have and I really have realized how much I need that accountability level just having someone checking in with me and making sure that's like I am doing what I say I'm going to do and um and so that was the first level. And then it was the mindset, like we spoke about before, about having the affirmations in play. For me, that's a big thing. Yeah. And knowing where I want to go, having the goals set down, redoing the SMART goal elements, is, which is what I've always done in the past. And I just, I don't know if it was mum brain, but I just forgot all of it. Yeah. And then... And then I was getting back into it and I'm like, oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. And, it, and it's been really good, but it's more than that now. And so I went from, like, I doubled my practice in three months. That's so that amazing. was phenomenal. <laughs> phenomenal. And, um, and there's still room to grow as well. And within that, I feel like we haven't lost the integrity of what our practice is, which is the biggest thing for me. And, um, and I see at least 50% kids here. And we're still able to maintain that vitality concept with the majority of them and move um, and starting to reconnect with parents so they're seeing the importance of care for themselves too, which I think is the biggest win for me because that had always been something I felt like I'd done well and I'd somehow got so caught in the headspace of kids, kids, kids that I'd sort of lost that a little bit. So now it's back. Yeah, so that's good. And um, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, I mean, for me, it's just been the most amazing thing to do that. And to do it again now has been really good, really good. And then um, I went to the immersion day in Perth and it gave me so much to think about that I actually was really caught up in my head for a couple of weeks. And I feel like I've now processed all of that. And I've just, the last three weeks have been like awesome. It's just like, as a team, we've all just been really good. Yeah. Well, and we, we were just talking about that just even on the, before we got on the podcast today, talking about like, sometimes you need to, you got to flex back and forth, right? Because sometimes, yeah. you know, you get in your heart, but maybe you're not as organized or you need to actually get some systems that are snugged up. Exactly then, right. then you go yeah. up in your head, right? Yeah. And, but and then, then it's awesome. There. Yeah. No, you can stay there forever. And yeah. so then something will always bring you back. Like the universe provides always has. And so it will bring you back in and then it will, go out again and then bring you back in. And I was explaining this to my husband on the weekend that the trajectory of practice is never a straight line. Like there's always ebbs and flows and there's so many factors, but getting 
my headspace and working with my team and getting everything flowing is the biggest part of that. So cool. Now that leads me to the next. Oh, sorry. I didn't want to interrupt you there. No, you're right. You're right. I was going to say, um, now going back, learning that, and this might not be the answer, but they're the, the, what you're going to say, but if I would call it the Terminator question, right? If we could zip you back into time and talk to your younger self, Oh yeah. Um, right. What what kind of advice would you give your younger self? Um, well, there's a few. So the first one is never disregard your intuition. Never. Like mm. that's so very important. The times in my life where I have have not played out well. Mm-hmm. So um, definitely don't do that. And stay true. So by that I mean stay true to the chiropractic principles that I know are true. I found when I was doing my master's in pediatrics, it was very science focused. So there were times where I would ebb and flow from the truth of the chiropractic principles into a heaviness of headspace and getting that balance of the two is good. And I feel like now I've learned that you can do both and Mm -hmm. you just have to honor honor both. You know what I mean? Like it's not a choice anymore. I think when I was back then in the late noughties, there was (laughs) so much focus on evidence base and you had to choose and you couldn't be a vitalistic patient centered chiropractor as well as someone who knew her stuff. Like you had to choose one or the other. And I feel like now that has definitely come together and I feel there's more chiropractors are able to embrace that too which is good which is really good yeah well and I find um, that so, I was going to say I find that with a lot of younger ones too is that they they, they want mm. that. they they need to know the science and, and then they yes, need to know the philosophy because you yeah. need to know why you're doing it right yeah and, and exactly right one or the other yeah exactly right and you need to and and the knowledge of both of those things breeds your faith confidence and belief breeds your certainty and if you don't have that certainty level like you you've got to cultivate that and you've got to cultivate that through knowledge i used to spend you know i was working in busy practices and i would fly all over australia every third or fourth weekend i'd be going to another seminar to learn something new to connect and it wasn't always a science seminar often they were connection seminars i was going there just because i needed the injection of other people who had my philosophy to sort of boost myself up a bit more. And then the next time I'd go science and I'd learn these. And so I ebbed and flow. So I definitely think finding a mentor as well. I had some amazing mentors in my early years in practice. I had Olivia, like in just where I lived, I had Olivia and I had um, Craig Foote. So like those two themselves then combined with the coaching I had was pretty I was very fortunate. That's for sure. Yeah. Mm. Very fortunate. That's awesome. So to, to round up our awesome interview, we've already times flew by like fast. Um, <laughs> I, I like to just have, you know, all my guests just share a few words of wisdom and we got the people out there, the underdog nation out there who might feel either like burnt out or, or stuck yeah. or just like we say, driving to work and want a little inspiration. So what are the, what are the parting words of wisdom or inspiration you'd like to leave the listeners with? Um, I think I just want them to know that as chiropractors in Australia, because that's where I am, but I know it's a worldwide thing, that we can feel very unloved at times. We can feel like our profession doesn't support us always and doesn't give back. And I want them to know that 
what they are doing comes from a place of love and that they're very knowledgeable and they're very skilled and they just go and impart that. And if they do that from that place inside them that knows the right thing and that intuitive area combined with their skill set, then they're just going to change lives everywhere. Like my big vision, I've always had it since, I don't know, forever, is a sea of children with their hands in the air saying thank you for the gift of chiropractic. And, and that still holds me to this day. And I just, and not everyone wants to see children and I'm 100% cool with that. But I would just really want people to know that they've got a gift and to use their gift and be true to their gift and, yeah, just love it. Go to work and love it. Well, thank you. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Ali, for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. We love working Thanks with you. Thanks for having me, Don. Dr. Don. Dr. Don. Pfft, sound like Brandy, right? No. Um, <laughs> so everybody out there, like I think, you get, especially the moms out there too, you know, like uh, the big thing I got from this episode is self-care, right? And, and I, oh, I did this too. I wasn't even a mom. I, would, I only had to look after myself and I still burnt myself out. So it's, uh, mm. it's really so easy. easy to- to burn so yourself out when you're a mom, right? Yeah. So, so I think everybody just needs to uh, take some time, journal, find out what works best for you, get your routine down, look after yourself so you can get out there and crush the curse. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you receive value from this episode, please take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. If you know a fellow chiropractor that could benefit from this message, please share it with them. Because it's my goal to provide you with great content, please contact me if you have any questions at drdonmcdonald.com or find me on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.